Welcome to the Scientific Method. We are Pacific Northwest University of Health Sciences foray into the world of intellectually entertaining dialogue. From healthcare to pop culture, controversial conversations to advancements in scientific technology and more, we provide expert insight on science and society. We are an exercise in overcoming the noise and discovering the truth. Hey everyone, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, as we get to know our students here at PNWU, we have a new group that comes in every year, and often we start to hear stories about them. Um, usually it's from others because they don't tend to brag too much about themselves. One student that came across our radar was somebody who wasn't bragging about himself, but on social media just happened to be open and honest and sharing some of his, his life experiences, and it caught my attention right away. He started a post not too long ago with this. My story is one of resilience and hopeless romanticism. When I was six, I was sent 8,000 miles away to a boarding school in India. On certain nights, I remember hyperventilating myself to sleep, peering at the moon as I beckoned myself to dream. Dreaming of success, knowledge, and excellence is what got me through prior hardships. We have so many students here at the university that really, they get me as soon as I, I meet them, as soon as I start to hear about them, I know that I have to talk to them. And Naman was one of them. Um, he had bumped into me a few times across campus. He helped out with a few videos that we did. And every time I met him, every time I was able to speak with him, he, he left me feeling excited about the future of medicine and the students that we have here. Um, we finally got him onto a podcast after working for that for a long time. Um, and it was a great conversation that we had. We talk about his unusual journey to medical school, his passion for taking care of people and for medicine, his love for music and how that connects to his passion for medicine. And we just we had a really inspiring conversation. Again, as I usually do in these conversations, I left feeling really hopeful for the future of medicine, for the future of healthcare in the Pacific Northwest and really excited to work somewhere like this where we have such great students. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Naman Jain. I hope you enjoy. All right. Have you done one of these before? A podcast? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I have. No. I've actually. only talked to the mic. And it's usually me hearing myself when I'm recording my own stuff. Yeah. But never like talking to another person. That's why I ask because I know that you do plenty of other stuff. Mm. So I figured maybe this is another one of those endeavors that it would be a surprise to other people to hear that you do. No. Mm -mm. Well, that's good. <laughs> well, welcome to the podcasting world. Thanks so, so much. Yeah. You're not uncomfortable in front of the microphone at least. No, I'm not. No, <laughs> I, I. it's like my natural element. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen you around campus and talked to you about it. And even when we were at the Capitol... For a DO day, we talked about it. I don't know where you find the time to do these things. It's one of, so what, coming into med school is, uh, I've realized that the things that I really care about, I have been able to do more of that during med school because we have such limited amount of time to donate to the things that matter, whether that's family, friends, or extracurriculars. And for me, poetry is a huge portion of my life. And I may be saying words in a conversation with a person, but the the complete extent of my emotions aren't transferred so i have to be able to write them down in a prose and so like m making music mm -hmm. is something that i've really focused on working out meal prepping 
and then studying. Like that's all I do. I just go from the school to the apartments, to the gym. That's pretty much it. Yeah. There's um, probably some sort of a balance that comes along with it too. And just the sense that you couldn't do uh, what you do in med school without the balance of the other things that seem like extracurricular activities that you shouldn't have time for. Right. And and they definitely kind of set us up to just study all the time. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if I did that, I'd lose my sanity. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, I know personally there's days for me where if I don't do something that before you do it, you're like, oh, I don't want to do this. This is going to be awful. But if you don't do it, it seems like you lose motivation to do the other things throughout the course of the rest of the day. And I imagine with something as strenuous as med school, if you can't take time to do the things that are meaningful to you, even if they're tough to do, even if it's something like working out or, you know, something strenuous, then you lose the, it's like a forward momentum sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Getting into the whole grind of things. I, I, you know, at first it was like, okay, I have to get this done. I have to get this done. And it was very like one track minded kind of objective. Okay, let's get all of this stuff done. That's on my checklist. And yeah, for a couple few weeks, you continue to do that. But then you feel that burnout starting to like creep in the background. And then it hit me that this is not something I should be stressed over. Like, yeah, it's going to be stress in this, but this is like a lifestyle I'm just going to have to like evolve into. Yeah. And and getting that perspective, it's a lifestyle. This is how I'm going to start living from now on. I'm going to have to be okay with that. Makes it a little more doable. Yeah. yeah and it kind of gives you um, almost a, a, a standard that you have to meet. And when you meet that standard, I imagine that there's some sort of a the gratification that inspires the next day kind of fuels it to to keep it rolling forward. Yeah. I, I always think ahead and I've been primed to do that since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents have always asked me, Hey, okay, what's your next step? My dad and I have this relationship. He's always, okay, what's your next step? What are you going to do? How are you going to get there? And so I've always kind of like been primed to think what I'm supposed to do next. You know, you go, you go through middle school, high school, you do volunteering, and then you were like, okay, I'm going to get into college. And then you, you have everything laid down for you. These are the classes you're going to take. You got to take the standardized tests and okay, now you're going to have to do some actual work and get into med school. Getting into med school and actually living it day by day, that be living in the present is something I've learned while in med school. Because mm-hmm. we have exams almost every other day. We have quizzes almost every other day. And thinking about it's, you would overwhelm yourself if you thought about what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Forget the day after tomorrow. And um, yeah, it's wild because yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a planner. Mm-hmm. And this is something new, something that I'm trying to come to terms with. Yeah, this has been a plan for a while, right? I remember uh, when I was doing some, some background and trying to get a sense of where you come from and who you are. I read somewhere um, that you had been thinking of being a doctor since you were about 12 years old. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I was in Canada and my uncle, he's a, he's an accountant there. So I have no doctors in my family. Mm -hmm. And, um, we were watching this TV show where this, uh, it was Steven Spielberg TV show called Taken, I believe. And this guy was having, um, his head cut open and there was a alien parasite that crawled out. And at that point I looked at that and I was like, Oh my goodness, how can you do that to a person's head? Because we always wear helmets, we prevent you know any injuries, and I'm like, here you are, just cutting it open without, without a, a without any fear. Mm-hmm. Um, he told me, well, there are doctors who do that; they're called neurosurgeons. And at that point, something just kind of like lashed onto the word neurosurgeon, and I've just been in love with the idea of what neurosurgery is. He said there's not many of them, and there's you know they're 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 in high demand, and I think 
I've always been the kind of person who do, who goes against the grain, and and if someone's doing something, I'm just gonna go complete the opposite way mm. and try to pursue what's not being pursued. And I started reading books about the brain. I remember in fifth grade, I got this book called "The Rough Guide to the Brain" by Barry J. Gibbs, and I read it page to page. And everything that I needed to know for my seventh grade curricula was in that book because we mm -hmm. just talked about the brain. And and then I was way into sci-fi and technology. And uh, this whole idea of an organic piece of machinery that controls every part of us is the brain. Um, so that kind of catalyzed my love for medicine and my passion for people. But at the end, I think it comes down to my passion for people. The medicine comes second. Mm -hmm. What is it about people? It sounds like it's driven by curiosity, of course. But then when you get down to that human element and coming into a school like ours that has the unique mission that we do. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of different places that you could go to get, yeah. a, you know, the in-depth knowledge of whatever those fields may be, yeah. whether it's neurosurgery or anything else. But then connecting back to the people, were there early life experiences that led you in that direction? Or my early life experiences? I've always been a very emotional person. So I was sent to boarding school when I was super young. And I think a lot of my emotions were kind of like, I don't know, in disarray. I've always, well, yeah, I've always been emotional and being been able to empathize with people really easily and kind of see their point of view feel sad when they're sad feel happy when they're happy and just being able to be on the same wavelength when i'm communicating with them really makes me feel happy and seeing others happy kind of cliche as it sounds mm -hmm. you know i feel like okay i'm doing something for them and altruistically i'm i feel good and uh and then my love for science just kind of catalyzed the idea that, okay, mes medicine is something that I, I could be good at and I should give it a shot. And I've always had high expectations for myself. And sometimes that is a that is a weakness mm -hmm. as well as a strength. Yeah, we uh, we recently did one. I mean, it's a tough topic to bring up because you bring so much passion and happiness to it. But we did a podcast on uh, physician burnout mm -hmm. and we were having the same discussion about empathy with the guests that we had on there. And just the challenges of being in the healthcare field where so many times the people that you're seeing are the people who are having the worst experience of their life at the moment. Have you thought about those challenges, especially being somebody who has that empathetic point of view where you can kind of tap into somebody else's emotions? If those emotions are, you know, I'm, I'm really having a hard time right now and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm struggling, then odds I've, are you're going to kind of sponge that up a bit. I've definitely given that thought and I am... I, I get, I'm super sentimental, super emotional. Some would say that I think more with my heart. I lead more with my heart than I do with my brain. And I think that's kind of one of the things that sets me apart. And um, coming to med school, it all comes back to med school, where I've learned a little bit more about, about myself each semester. There are exams that I don't pass. And at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, I'm, I, well, after that, I'm thinking to myself, this was terrible. I should have studied more. Maybe I didn't study the right stuff. And then, you know, something dawns upon me. Like, this is, this is not some, th this happens. Like, mm -hmm. if I relate it to a patient, no matter how hard I can try, no matter how much information I know, how much effort I put in, even though I really want to, I might not be able to save every patient. And, mm -hmm. and, and failing an exam, that is something, that's, that's a reality. And I have to be okay with that. And we're, we're, um, we have things back to back. So compartmentalizing things is something I've also had to do. I can't just ruminate over certain things and, and just ponder about them. 
I have to bounce back and get back and on to the next one. Excuse my motto. Actually, one of my other mottos is you win some, you lose a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, Yeah, that's a good motto going into the healthcare field, unfortunately, yeah. because of the challenges that, I mean, it's just, a, it's a constant array of challenges that you're going to be facing. But it's, I think that that's the exact, you have to kind of be vulnerable because if you're not, you're never going to connect with the patients in a way that's meaningful to them. And really, I think that's the most important part about giving somebody care is showing them that you really do care for them. Yeah. We, we, you know, the first few years are just clinical stuff. Like we're, we're getting, well, clinical and classroom settings. We're getting so much information and, and we're, we, we may lose ourselves in all of the process because we're just studying, 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 losing that aspect of, you know, social life in our literal, in our, in our little bubble and, um, kind of losing ourselves. And so at the end of the two years, I'm afraid that we, some of us may, may lose our sense of humanity. Mm-hmm. But being the emotional self that I am, I feel like I will always have that to guide me through. Like with all the medical knowledge that I'll accrue, I'll still care because mm-hmm. it's okay if I lose some. Mm-hmm. I just have a lot of it. Yeah, that's a really good way to be. I think that people, when they get cold and when they start to dehumanize the, the patients that they're seeing, it, or even if it's not a patient in any life experience, mm-hmm. I think that it's just a defense mechanism. It's trying to protect yourself yeah. Uh, it doesn't sound like you're the type of person that would even have the ability to put up a wall like that. No, no, I'm very transparent with everything. You could ask me anything I can, and I would reply back. Because, I mean, I feel like information should be out there for everyone. My experiences are not, I mean, yeah, they're my own experiences, but I have nothing to hide. Like, I have every, I have, I have everything to share. And, and with a patient, when we're in a room with them, it's confidential. It's a safe space. And and everything that I could be thinking, I'll be transparent and honest with them because that's something that I owe to them based on what I've learned. Mm-hmm. Speaking of experiences, you brought up the the boarding school thing. And that was another thing that I had read going into this and I was fascinated by it. What was that experience like? The thing that prompted my parents to send me to boarding school. So I was sent there when I was six years old. Wow. I, I was born in India when I was and um, in Punjab. And so when I was three years old, I... My dad and my mom and I moved to Dallas, Texas, and they were working full time. My dad was getting into the restaurant management industry and and my mom was a cake decorator. So they were working full time and I was just an out of control child. I was the I was the first kid, the eldest. And I used to like take my tricycle at the age of three and block the main intersections of Garland, Texas. And I used to. you know, open the deadbolt with a chair, climb up and then get out and on two and, and, you know, take my bicycle to Walmart, look under someone's car. And on both of those occasions, the cops had to take me back home because, well, you know, you have this weird kid roaming around, <laughs> around Garland, mm-hmm. you couldn't have that. So uh, that, you know, things built upon each other and they were like, this kid is out of control. He needs to get disciplined. And, and that's kind of like the, one of the cultures that I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the age of six, they knew that this boarding school in India was private. It was, it, you know, great education. We had some family in the state next to it. He said, let's send, you know, let's send him there. And we've heard great things about it. Why not? It was harrowing for me. You know, I didn't exactly know what was going on. I remember crying a lot. My mom left. Um, and then I was there. I it it man, I was crying for days on end. Like I was on the bed and I just it was terrible. And uh, you know, fortunately I I'd made some friends who were from California and they kind of consoled me and and for the 9 months that I was in school, 
it was great. Like I, you know, yeah, there was a lot of discipline, like in ways that prompted my parents to not send me there after three years. And um, I learned a lot. I, I, I became a better student, artist, orator, uh, athlete. Um, it was a beautiful place. So I came back home every, every nine months for three months and then went back. So, you know, I didn't see my parents and then I saw them. And then I had to leave after I, you know, saw them. Then I had to not see them. So it was like this constant, like ripping the bandaid, bleeding, ripping the bandaid, bleeding. Mm. And I, at the time, like it was fine. I could, you know, I was just getting used to it. But I think all of that manifested later on as I, you know, got into college and I was noticing the way I act with certain people, especially in relationships. And so coming to terms with that, realizing that, be, being aware of that, um, that's something that I have worked through a lot. Hmm. So that's one aspect. But yeah. yes, it was hard. Yeah, what a shaping experience. So you, it was from six to nine years six old? Six to nine. Were... And my sister was sent there my last year and she got homesick. And then my parents, uh, they, we were there, you know, after my third, after my third grade. And uh, they noticed red lashes on my chest. And then they were just horrified. They contacted the school's principal. The, and I was best friend with the school principal's, the headmaster's son. And so, you know, they had a conversation. He was like, I had no idea this was going on. So after that point, my parents didn't send me back. Mm. Yeah, look, looking back, I don't, I'm not upset that they sent me there because I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't be as disciplined or as independent had I not been there, mm -hmm. I may be a completely different person with yeah. a different perspective. I learned to read and write Hindi when I was over there. And that's something I still know how to do. Wow. So seeing various perspectives and being in a group of people who I'm not comfortable with, that has also been something that I'm good at now. And I think I owe it a lot. Oh, I, I owe a lot to that experience. Yeah. Yeah. All life experiences, good or bad, yeah. they inform the rest of our lives and they Totally. They create a perspective that we can use if if you're able to to look at it in that way. You yeah. can use it as a tool to inform the way that you approach anything, really. So now that you're at medical, where are you? Where do you live? Where's your family? Currently? My parents. So my parents are in uh, in Portland, Oregon. We okay. went from Dallas to Portland about 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. And my dad was working uh, for his boss for the past 15, 20 years. And then the glass ceiling was too low. He decided he wanted to open his own restaurant. And so he opened one in Missouri and he was gonna take the whole family and move them to Missouri. But something shifted and I think he's just remotely kind of managing that. So they're there, my grandparents live with us, my sister, my brother, and my mom, oh. all in Portland. Well, yeah. so now being out here in Yakima from Portland, you went to college in Oregon as yeah, well, right? Yeah, I went to University of Oregon. So yeah. being out here in, in Yakima, from that entire family that's living in that one place, the the whole experience again, that must be something that's informing you to to be able to deal with it for the the family separation and especially going through the stresses of something like medical school. It's funny because ever since I was pretty young, um, I've been away from my family, and I understand. It's I don't feel. I mean, this this may sound odd, but I love my family, but I've been primed to like be away from them since I was so young, it, it's not the same. Um, I do like going back, but I'm not the same person that I am when I go back as, as opposed to when I am, you know, with my friends here. And mm -hmm. I've thought about that for a long time. You know, when I'm home, I'm reserved, I'm quiet. I'm a little more um, intolerant. And I, I wondered, and only like a, until a few months ago, I realized why that was so. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, those experiences yeah. sounds like have created sort of a, an independence yeah. in you. But it, I think that that's also something that's probably created that empathetic, that deep mm -hmm. connection to emotions that you feel. Yeah. And and being able to connect with yourself because you've been forced, uh, it seems at, at many points, to, yeah. to rely on yourself more than to rely on others. But my mom definitely misses me. I think she kind of regrets sending me to boarding school because I always bring it up to her. And she's like, why do you have to do that? I'm like, hey, it happened. Like, what can you do? Yeah. yeah. So coming out of Oregon, coming out of college, what was the decision to go into medical school? I know that early on you had decided to be a, a doctor and you were fascinated by that. Yeah. But uh, there's many things that when we're kids, we can, you know, say, oh, I want to go into that because yeah. I saw it on a TV show. But to actually right. take the steps to make it a reality mm -hmm. is a different thing altogether. I wanted to be a Power Ranger. Like that was, a, <laughs> that was the first thing I wanted to do when I was super, super young. Mm -hmm. Before before I was 12. And then, you know, then came Spider-Man, then came like a scientist and yeah any of the archaeologists, paleontologists, and um, physicians are a type of scientist, and so that kind of like was in that same vein. So coming out of college, my college experience was really interesting because I spent a lot of time studying, researching, and I had a little bit of a obstacle because, I, because of organic chemistry, mm -hmm. and I was wondering, you know, I didn't do well in the course, all in all, so in one sequence, there's three, three, three courses. You know, you have OCHEM one, two, three. And I've taken seven organic chemistry classes in all. Mm -hmm. Just because I've taken one, then I realized I'm not good at it. Then I took the whole sequence, wasn't good at it. And then I took the first sequence again. Uh, sorry, the first course, realized I wasn't good at it. So I stopped. And it was my third year that I realized why am I letting this one sequence stand between my dream of wanting to be a physician as opposed to not? And I, I, the way I came to that realization was I asked myself, where do I see myself 30 or 40 years down the road? You know, do I want to be someone uh, that has autonomy over the decisions that they make? And, you know, who do I want to work for? And so I realized, you know, I need to do it because if I don't try, then I won't know. Um, so that pushed my, my you know, a year's, little out of, out of order so I took my last class I even though I went to U of I, I took my last graduating class at Oregon State mm -hmm. and after that I moved to Portland where I was working at OHSU as a research assistant and I like research I mean I don't love research I like it and that's what kind of changed my that's what also influenced my idea of do I want to get a you know do I want to go you know get a PhD or do I want to be a sole physician. Um, after ten months, I kind of left the research wor world because it wasn't um, conducive to my type of personality. You know, I was in the lab working by myself, isolated. I've gone through so many podcasts; it's not even funny. <laughs> like hidden brain radio lab. I can give you all of that stuff. So after that, I went to Peru for five weeks, and after I came back, I realized I want to do some nonprofit work. And so that's when I got into social work mm. before I got into med school. So how did that inform this decision? Because again, there's there's a variety of ways that you could go into the world of medicine, but yeah. we have such a particular mm -hmm. path at our university and going in and it comes back to that human connection of serving rural and underserved communities being right. our mission. And 
there's there's that real humanity to it that I think a lot of people lose when they think about a doctor or they think about medicine and they think about all the the things that come along with you know the work or the yeah. the course loads or the specifics and mm -hmm. was it uh was it that that work that you did with nonprofits that sort of led you in this direction I've always known that I wanted to go into medicine I wasn't driven by the money I was driven by my passion to serve others in whatever capacity that may be. And I actually did my, my med school applications while I was in Peru. So even before getting into social work, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And, and I felt like I was a, a low stat applicant and, and, and that's, that was my perspective. So you are in your first year of med school now, almost at the end of it, you have one more week to go. One more week, five more exams. Five exams, one yep. week. That's one way to kick it off. Mm -hmm. Man, that's that's how they send you off five exams. Yeah, they say here here's five exams and uh, have a great summer. Wow. And then and then make sure you do some work over the summer and then come back and you're just gonna get into the kidneys. <laughs> I hear yeah. the kidneys are fun. I've yeah I've heard mixed reviews. I heard they're one of the hardest systems. Yeah. Yeah, yeah fun was uh, there was a bit of sarcasm there. I've heard a lot of people say the kidneys are uh, really really complicated. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something else to look forward to on top of the five exams. So what's the first year been like? Has it been uh, something that lived up to your expectations? Did you have expectations coming in? Um, wow. I thought that first year, I didn't think it was going to be so much just back to back, back to back, back to back, just bounce, bounce, bounce. Mm -hmm. um, it makes it really hard when you have like things happening outside of, school life affecting you you kind of ha have to just get back onto the train tracks and just continue forth i mean it's med school it's like one of the highest caliber of educations and you and just have to remain focused at all times it's kind of a marathon that never ends <laughs> yeah, the I only mean. time i feel like i have time for myself is certain certain days on the weekends mm -hmm. Is there some sort of a, you sound like you're a person that follows a pretty ritualistic pattern. So you kind of have these, the schedule that you work out to make yeah. sure that you're able to succeed in all the things that you do. Yeah. Do you have some sort of a, a daily schedule that you follow when you're in, in med school or is it just sort of, let's see what happens. Well, waking up is the hardest part to any, <laughs> any, any day, no matter how many exams I have, I've tried waking up at three, waking up at four, five. Six, it is super, super difficult. And um, I've, you know, some people are morning people, some people are night people. Unfortunately, I'm in more like in the middle of the day kind of person. <laughs> so um, my nightly routine is, uh, so, you know, you, we have school from eight to five. And uh, one thing that I equate one med school day is two and a half normal days. Because <laughs> eight to 12, you have one day. And then 12 to five, you know, one to five, you have the second day, and then after that, you have half a day to kind of do review and work out. And by the end of the day, by the end of the day, you realize what did I do this morning? What that was today, mm -hmm. and so it feels like what you did this morning was yesterday, and kind of messes with you a little bit. I would so, you know, even though with that equation, you would think that time would move super slowly, but it's it's. I felt like I started med school like maybe like two months ago. It's wild to think that it, it's coming you know this uh this quickly to an end and um well the first year yeah it's an accomplishment it's i i obviously don't have 
firsthand personal experience with it, but the closest experience I have is just talking to students like you and every student that I've seen. It sounds it's starting in August and it goes all the way through next week, obviously, with those five exams where it seems like every day everybody's like, oh, there's this thing you hear it like it's like a fire hose with the water thing mm-hmm. i have a different i have a different like uh, analogy it's like let's say you're swimming in the ocean and you're treading the water and you see this huge wave which is a whole bunch of information let's say the the ocean is like med school mm-hmm. and the wave that's coming is the new content that you're about to like just take on and you have no idea what that content includes and it hits you all in the face and you're just tumulted underwater and you're trying to swim up to the surface and then you you get to the surface you get one breath of air and then as soon as you you know take that breath of air you get another wave and so each successive wave and each successive drowning moment you're you're swimming faster and that's what changes you're able to swim faster and get to the surface and breathe a little bit more Mm -hmm. so it's just like you get better at it yeah you start off super stressed but then you're like okay i know what to expect so you just become a better swimmer. Yeah, it's sort of like those experiences that we talked about, good or bad. They yeah. sort of they. It's like creating a callus a bit, mm-hmm. where you get a little bit stronger and you get a little bit faster, and things become a little bit more uh, predictable. Yeah, in there. But you never get used to it, you know. Yeah, the water is still super cold, and, <laughs> and you still get water up your nose, and um, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good example. Yeah, that's a perfect analogy for it. It sounds, especially from speaking to to students around campus, it sounds like they're yeah. a lot of times rolling in the the barrel of those waves. Right. But so now coming towards the end of it, yeah. what an accomplishment! I mean, for even just a single year of med school, for it to go by as fast as it did, but to take in as much information as you did, what does it feel like now looking back on all the months that felt like such a short amount of time? I feel like. And I'm going to say this. I feel like I don't, I mean, I don't know much. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I have no idea what I would be doing, ha- you know, if, if someone were to present me with something because uh, I haven't had that actual experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know what it looks like in text. Like if you give me cer- certain words, I know what to look for. But in, in a person, it's, it's, it's all ambiguous. It could be so many things. And um, I'm not confident yet. And that's something that I need to work on. Just r- r- telling myself that no matter, you know, you know, I've, I've, I've had so much knowledge, but I need to be confident in what I know. Mm-hmm. And um, having that is going to help me understand what I'm dealing with, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. That's how the curriculum works for the, the first two. Is I know the first year for sure. The second year, I believe, is sort of the same way, right? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. most of the things that you're learning, you're learning out of a book and yep. it's text-based. And then all of a sudden, it's translated into real life yeah. and you hope that it clicks in absolutely that's what i'm hoping yeah i'm sure that it will it sounds yeah. like you've done plenty of the legwork to to try get those strong swimming legs for when you're <laughs> actually out at sea you know <laughs> so another thing that i wanted to talk to you about and this comes back to the beginning of our conversation was music's role in yeah. in this whole process because midway through the year it was just a, a couple months ago now right you released a mixtape i did yeah march 28th it's because it's six months away from my birthday. Okay. And so it just happened to fall on that day. And I wanted to, I've always wanted to kind of have some, you know, you know, artists paint and they, they create these, these extravagant works of art and they put it on their walls. And I wanted to have something like that for myself because I make, you know, I make hip hop music and I, and I've never really been able to do that. First of all, because I don't know how to mix music mm-hmm. and uh, I just know how to perform. And so 
um, took me a long time to kind of figure out how to do that, the technical aspects. And uh, yeah, so I, 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 it was it was basically a journey of my med school career so far that's my emotional journey in, in this mixtape. Mm. That's yeah. why I called it cardiology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you explained the title to me mm-hmm. when we were getting on the bus from uh, the Capitol building, that was something that connected with me. And I was like, what an interesting way to to take the med school experience, all the stresses of it and all the things that yeah. you've undergone and to to channel those things into something completely different. It was unexpected. I mean, when I heard that you were doing a mixtape, I think my first reaction to you was like, how, why? Like, <laughs> you know, just sort of shocked by it. But um, was it, is it that process of taking all these experiences and all these emotions and channeling them? And is what's the benefit mm-hmm. of doing something like so that? So I was going through a really, really hard time when school started. Mm-hmm. You know, you've had this, this, you know, I was thrown in a new environment. Starting off school, we just had lecture, lecture, lecture. And um, I don't know how personal you want me to get, but I was going through a big breakup. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my partner at the time was going to the Peace Corps. And so the decision was made that, um, you know, med school, you know, I'm going my own way and she's going her own way. And it was uh, just, you know, bad timing. So, so I, you know, three years of dating and I was left to kind of navigate med school navigate my emotions, the curricula. I felt super alone and isolated. And instead of harboring all of these emotions inside, I had to I had to put it down on paper. And I realized that it wasn't putting it down on paper that made me feel a little better. It was constantly reciting it to make sure that it sounded perfect for them for the the song that I was creating. Mm. And just constantly saying out again and again and again, the repetition made it made it feel like I was able to hold this one negative emotion in basically a digital format, like a tube, and to say, yes, I have control over this, and it doesn't have control over me. And so that's how I kind of looked at it. And that was the benefit. That's a really interesting way to look. It sounds like something that could be translated, whether or not somebody has a uh, an interest in music or art or whatever the case may yeah. be being able to go through the stresses of an experience like going to med school and all the challenges that come along with it. But to be able to take life, isn't going to stop in that process. And I think that looking at it from the outside in, you could, you could see med school as something that's extremely stressful on its own with, you know, you could have an ideal world outside of the walls of the school and still it's going to be really hard, but the reality is life isn't going to stop on the, the outside. So being able to take the experiences that you're having in life and to to turn those into something that's positive for yourself is, I imagine, a really, really important thing to be able to do for everybody who's going through the experience that you're going through. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never been able to write it, you know, hold a, hold a diary. I mean, I'm sorry, not hold a diary, but like write in diary consistently. Mm-hmm. And so this whole mixtape was like my diary. And that's how I kind of coped. So it was all there. I, I still listen to it, you know, when I feel, you know, since it's got various emotions in it, kind of helps me realize, okay, you have felt this way and you you have bounced back from it. And I think that's kind of super important for us to tell ourselves that you have felt this way before and you can move on. You got to go on to the next one. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how it has to be, even though it's the downside is that you don't have much time to process emotions. You can you can feel things and then they all get bottled bottled up inside, and that that's that's the hard part. 
because mm-hmm. we if we let it consume us and we don't perform as well mm-hmm. yeah and you're forced to perform constantly yeah yeah so not to make it all sound like it's a, a challenge obviously there are benefits to going to medical school right. not only in the the end of becoming a doctor and being yeah. able to live out your dream but there must be day-to-day things that that make this experience worthwhile and that make you keep going can yeah. you can you highlight any of those the, the the experiences that make it seem worthwhile i mean i'd say maybe like a tertiary experience is um you know doing well in courses because you know that okay this is where you know you've put in the time and effort and you've done well the other two experiences that kind of make it seem super worthwhile is the second one i'd say is when we have standardized patients we are able to really take the conversation where we want it to be and and even though it's a mock patient we have control over the room we have control over how we're going to deal with this patient and the best experience i've noticed is when we go to the union gospel mission and and we we are the physician at that moment these are patients we have no idea you know what their history is and we're collecting it and uh, we're trying to figure out based on what we've learned and for me i think that okay what i've learned so far in my first year is so limited but coming into the room and seeing the patient going through the physical exam it just comes to you it just clicks and you walk out feeling like wow you know i kind of do know some stuff and uh i want to continue it and that that constant repetition and exploration of what treatments we can do for these differentials and that's what uh makes it worthwhile knowing that there's some there there is uh, more to work towards but it's a very good feeling mm mm-hmm. Uh, we did a podcast a while ago with another group of students and we sort of labeled it as uh, like an experience that pre-med students could listen to to get a sense of what it is like to go to med school through the application process through the first year i think we had a third year student on there who was able to talk about that experience as well the reality again is that while your experience is obviously unique and really challenging you're surrounded by about 100 and 39 other students who yeah. are going through this also extremely challenging part of their lives which is wildly unfamiliar to all of them no matter what their backgrounds mm-hmm. are has that been uh, a benefit or there are some students that I've talked to and their stories are amazing and it doesn't undermine my story or their stories um it just kind of solidifies the idea that we're we were chosen so you know I'm super grateful and proud that I'm at this school and I wouldn't I w- I can't see myself at another school. And so because of that pride that I have taken in being here and and the people the interviewers who have selected me that is um the same threshold has been set for these other students. And they're here for a reason, for a purpose that is akin to mine. Just the experience of the other students around you and I think that right. One benefit that you have too is that you have the perspective of having uh the boarding school experience or things like that yeah. where you've had challenges in your past and you've done it in the music that you've created where you can right. compartmentalize those emotions and look back on them and say I've gone through this I was able to go through it and I am a better person because mm-hmm. of it now has that been a benefit to being around the students I imagine that your experiences alone are a benefit to the students that you're around and just speaking with them and saying hey we're going through this together right from my experiences when i was younger like i faced a lot of adversity emotional adversity and and like you know financial adversity and what not cultural adversity so it's like i've been through a lot of you know been through the worst of it and this is just uh you know another another assessment 
it's like an it's like an inception of assess, assess, assessments. So it's we're getting tested in so many ways, and I think that's the maddening beauty of it all of med school. Like I thought the MCAT was diabolically just genius because it it's just, they change it to a seven hour test, and they're really testing you to see if you first of all do you know the information second of all can you really like focus on one thing make sure not you don't give up because you know we really have to make sure that we're not going to give up on any patient in the future because we find it so difficult or find it so hard like that's not the kind of person that they want they want to have a person who is going to basically never give up that does sound cliche but that's the truth so in being able to overcome that adversity and to, to get to the point where you are now, where you're you're finishing your first yeah. year of medical school, what do you credit that to? I know that the experiences that you've had have helped you get to this point, but it sounds like when you deal with a, a challenge every single day, but yeah. you can you can reflect on the other challenges that you faced. Yeah, there's there's a benefit to that, and even though it doesn't seem beneficial at the time when you're struggling, there's. Right as we said there's benefit to being able to have the perspective that struggle is okay so like what kind of keeps me going mm -hmm. i can't see myself doing any other thing mm -hmm. as um as important or as gratifying as this like this is this is my calling in a way this is what i want to do this is what i'm passionate about and uh you know, if even if i wasn't getting paid just being 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 able to be there for people and and educate them and treat them and if that's how i can make you know the world a better place then then that and that's what i'm going to do and my integrity really guides me and that's something that i hold on for dear you know to dear for dear life yeah what an important uh, characteristic to bring into the medical world mm -hmm. and uh we we have to hold on to that cuz things are changing we might find shortcuts. There might, there may be shortcuts, and we have to, you know, morality, integrity, like that has to be, you know, taken an oath. We have to kind of uphold that. What I really enjoy about having conversations with students like you is, even when I first came here and got this job, um, I had never, I never was a medical student. I hadn't gone to medical school, and I think that there's sort of this public perception of the idea of a medical student that's yeah. kind of cut and dry that. They're the highest in their class in high school, <laughs> that they're extremely successful through college, and that's what allows them to get into medical school. Mm -hmm. And of course, they're gonna be a doctor because they're always the smartest person yeah. in the room and that sort of thing. But to see that there's adversity that ends up building up somebody to the point where they can take care of somebody else in a way that they can relate to them is really important. For people who may be listening to this who aren't in medical school now and might be looking at a medical school as some sort of a far off dream because I'm not the, the top of my high school class or I'm right. not doing great in my college courses, I'm struggling in organic right. chemistry or whatever the case may be. Do you have any advice for for that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was high, high school, um, you know, I, I kind of dwindled off because of calculus and whatnot but but my, my gpa was like you know within normal range it was it was fine it was enough to get into college uh, first of all it doesn't matter where you go for college as long as there's like a good pre-med program where you're able to take everything you need for the mcat and um my stats in college were very low and uh, you know my gpa was 3.1 and my mcat score was a 501 
So I was one point above average on the MCAT and relatively below average uh, with my GPA. And I was terrified. I was thinking to myself, this is, this is all I've ever wanted is uh, to get into med school. That's been the dream. And it wasn't something that I was thinking about, hey, you know, I can get into it. I was very scared and apprehensive and even applying because I didn't know if it was gonna be uh, a reality. But I had to try. So my advice is that just don't give up, you know, because if you don't try, you're, you're, you're giving up on yourself. Well, I used to do cross country uh, back in middle school and high school. And, and my uh, coach used to say, okay, we're going to run three miles today. And she used to kind of just kind of, you know, just sit, sit on the side and just observe us. And sometimes she didn't pay attention. And some of us ran three miles. Some of us ran two miles. At the end of the day, she said, hey, you know, I noticed that you didn't run the full miles, but I'm not upset about it. Uh, just know that if you're not running three miles or the amounts that you're supposed to, then you're just cheating yourself. And, 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 and we do this for ourselves initially. We want this dream for ourselves. I couldn't disappoint myself because at the end of the day, that's I am my own person. It means a lot to me to be able to do what I want for others. A lot of the things that kind of got me into med school were my extracurriculars, my research experience, just being genuine with people, having a conversation, connecting with them. I think connecting with someone really catalyzes the process of, of that trust. And patients want to be seen as patients, not profits. Yeah, I think that's what really kind of separates the, the super, super high achievers from, you know, not, you know, like people like me who, who have doubts, but still have that passion. Another note that I wanted to bring up, and this might seem like a strange one, but it's, uh, it's not a lifestyle that I have. Um, but it, it seems to me from an outside perspective that it would be something that would be hard to, to maintain through medical school, which I think most things seem to be hard <laughs> to maintain through medical school. But you are a vegan, correct? Yeah, yeah. I've been vegan for the past three and a half years. And I've been vegetarian since I was, well, I say that I'm a fetal vegetarian. You know, my, my mom and dad were both vegetarians. Wow. So I grew up vegetarian and then uh, three and a half years ago, I became vegan. Wow. So being in med school again with those time constraints and yeah. those, uh, those challenges, has that been a challenge to, to maintain that? Because I imagine it's a lot easier to go out and get something quick, but it wouldn't match up with what you need. Totally not. And you have no idea how many times I've been tempted with Domino's pizza <laughs> when it comes into the... Well, you know, on campus, like that is the only food that comes on campus and mm -hmm. super, super just appetizing mm -hmm. mm, all the goodies. But that's what kind of keeps me away. Uh, my whole like idea for being vegan is uh, it started off as, uh, you know, hey, I got to got to eat healthy, got to protect the, you know, in the environment. But veganism is more of a lifestyle and a lifestyle now for me. Like I become more conscientious about, you know, what kind of um, you know who I support, what businesses I support, are they local or are they uh, basically come back to the mission, supporting underserved and underrepresented communities and peoples and organizations. I'd rather support the underdogs of our community than the, the corporates, corporate giants. And mm. So that is fueled by my integrity as well. But yes, there are some places in Yakima where I can go get vegan options, but most of the time I meal prep. What's it been like? Uh, had you had an experience with a place like Yakima before moving here? 
No, I really haven't. Normally, you know, Portland and Eugene mm-hmm. has always had very accessible vegan vegan options. And uh, I think I've saved money a little bit on, uh, you know, eating out here. But uh, no, yeah. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't found a place like Yakima. <laughs> yeah. So what's it been like? This is another one for um, students who may be coming here. Your first experience and your first year here and living in a place that's it, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no denying that it's different than the places that you've been. Um, how have you adjusted to that? And has it been a, a challenge? And have there been benefits or, you know, shortfalls to, to this? Yeah. So um, Yakima is super, super small. And I honestly haven't experienced the extent of what Yakima really entails because I feel like I'm in my own little liberal pocket uh, bubble with the school and apartments and gym and grocery store and the, the breweries mm-hmm. so that's pretty much it diversity is a little lacking you know mm-hmm. the people our age like there's not that many i've kind of gotten an idea of what kind of place i want to end up in mm-hmm. you know kind of in the middle of yakima and middle of portland like between the demographics and the population of portland and yakima but i have i have so much faith that yakima is exponentially growing and it's going to become a, a great town you know in the next 10 years by the time i'm done with the residency and whatnot Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that having uh, 140 unique people like you coming into town every year is starting this new medical process is a major part of that. I say that to people around here all the time that what other place brings in 140 unique, yeah. very different personalities to town and they all have this one mission and that mission is something that's a really a benefit to the the community, no matter what community that ends up being in. Yeah, and it's definitely putting Yakima on the map. I mean, we're going to expand our school to multiple professions, and it's got nowhere to go but up. Mm-hmm. So you're just finishing your first year of school, going into your second year. Have you been speaking to second years, and do you have any expectations going into that now that you've kind of got a, this is the reality of this experience? You know, I should be doing that, but because I'm thinking about, you know, one day at a time, yeah. I feel like maybe over the summer I'll, I might reach out to them and ask them, you know, how is it that I should navigate the second year? Most of the second years that I've asked, you know, you know, hey, what should I do over the summer? Because cause we're, we're such high achievers. You know, we want to be able to do research. We want, we want to work. We want to, you know, do something humanitarian over the summer. But the most... The, the most of what I've heard is just make sure that this summer is yours and that you're doing what you want to do with the summer because this may be one of your last summers where you can truly be free. And after that, you're constrained to a lot of the obligations of what you'll have to face. Mm-hmm. So this summer before we started the the recording process, you told me some of your plans. What you, What is it that you're doing this summer? Because that was something that yeah. caught my attention right away. So I'll be doing a, a medical mission trip in Surin, Thailand with another friend of mine. And I'll be doing that for a month where we'll be going to, uh, you know, the rural healthcare clinics over there and, and uh, basically doing vital stats and uh, collecting vitals and doing a first aid experience, getting a understanding of how their healthcare works. And mm-hmm. maybe that'll spark some global health interest in me. And I might, I've been considering Doctors Without Borders or something like that. Something, you know, go someplace where no others, other doctors have gone before. That's like their motto. And and I think a part of me wants to do something like that. And then after that, I'll be going to a couple of parts of Europe for a couple of weeks. Nice. 
just to get like... all my traveling done in in one one swoop, and then and then come back to Yakima and yeah, maybe maybe do a couple shows here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like a good way to get the most out of yep. your experience. You are summer. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. So. Now that you're going into your second year, you begin, of course, with this process of approaching third and fourth year and then right. eventually graduation, which I'm sure with the speed and the... Oh my gosh, it's yeah. going to come by so quickly. Of, yeah. So yeah. do you have plans for... You mentioned uh, going into potentially neurosurgery or at least your fascination with that. Is that a field that you're still trying to to aim towards and or what are, what are your uh, your aspirations for this whole medical experience so neurosurgery is definitely out of the question now Mm. because i've taken more into consideration of what kind of lifestyle i want to embody um i think that was a really good catalyst for my passion but uh i really really admire the uh um osteopathic philosophy Mm. and omt i think is a very beneficial tool something that is um something that is uh, overlooked nowadays and and it's growing and so i want to be able to uh, you know include that in my practice family medicine is there and it's you know i've been the kind of person where i want to know a little bit about everything and uh, you know also everything about something so with family medicine i can cover a whole spectrum of things cardiology has always been one of my fascinations and most of what i'm thinking is that i will decide after rotations because mm. until I really experience it for a good solid month, I won't really know if I really love it. I have an idea, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a really wise approach. Good luck. One day at a time. That's yeah. what I'm going to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good strategy. It's a, yeah. it's a good approach, especially for somebody who's um, as long seeing as you seem to be. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's funny to come into a, a medical school experience with that sort of drive of What's the next step? What am I going to do next? And then all of a sudden to realize if I focus on the next thing, I'm going to lose track of this thing. Absolutely. One of my good friends told me that, you know, uh, it's like a, you have a certain amount of pancakes that you have to eat every day. You know, you get maybe let's say five pancakes and you should finish those five pancakes by the end of the day, because the next day you're getting five more and slowly they're just going to stack on top of each other. And by this point, I feel like right now I have like 20 pancakes stacked on my (laughs) table and um, I am, uh, I'm not that hungry, but mm. I got to finish them. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like you're pretty hungry to me. It sounds like you got plenty <laughs> of an appetite left. So I hope so. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. As I always, uh, as I say, but I, I always mean it because the students that we get here are so unique and you're a perfect example of that. And it's just, it's such a pleasure to see coming from a place where before I came here, I had that perspective of this is what a medical student must be. And this is where they must come from and this is what they must act like. And this is sort of the lifestyle that they must lead to, to hear perspectives like yours and to, to see the experiences that have led you here and how they've informed the way that you tolerate the, the challenges that you face and how you overcome those challenges. is It's really an exciting thing. And it's, it's great to look forward to, um, to people like you being in the healthcare field and to, taking those perspectives forward with you. So thanks so much for, uh, for coming on and for sitting down with us and, I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. I'm excited to get this out there and to, to show people that there isn't just one path and that there isn't just one way to get to medical school and that there are challenges, but those challenges aren't 
despite being unique, they're not necessarily unique to yeah. to your your one experience, and that there are others there with you. Absolutely, totally agree. Thanks again for tuning into the Scientific Method. To be the first to hear upcoming episodes, including our conversations with the nation's leading healthcare experts on topics such as opioids in America, healthcare reform, corporate funded research, and more, subscribe now.